السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم وزد وعني واكرم وبارك على سيدنا ونبينا محمد الحبيب المصطفى والنبي المجتبى ورسول الرحمة صاحب الحوض والشفاعة وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا مزيدا دائما إلى يوم يبعثون وبعد My dear respected brothers and sisters, those who are present, those who are watching and listening, we have a few moments to reflect upon a topic which I feel is very important. And the topic is based around the conclusion and reflection of the Qatar World Cup which has left behind a great legacy for not only our religion, Al-Islam, but also for Muslims and non-Muslims alike. I said that before even a ball was kicked off, and I'm not gonna be talking about the football here, but before even the before even a ball was kicked off, there was one winner. And that winner was our beautiful religion of Al-Islam. My main focus for the next few moments is to reflect upon, number one, some of the unfair double standards, hypocrisy that Qatar faced. But despite this, it stayed firm on its religious, and cultural values and then finally what are the lessons that we learn from this World Cup firstly it was a fantastic dawah project over three million people it is estimated over 300 people visited Qatar that's more than the tiny nation's population the population is about two and a half million people However, since it was selected as host, there was a lot of hypocrisy and double standards coming from the West, who thought that they had the right to educate those in the East. And the main focus was around human rights. And we know that a number of things were brought to light, migrant workers and the LGBT community. Regarding the migrant workers, and I'm not here, I'm not a spokesman on behalf of the Kingdom of Qatar, 
but from what we know is that certain steps were taken uh, and for example the kafala system was they got rid of the kafala system and those families who lost their loved ones they were compensated and that is something that's still an ongoing process but the figures we have been told that six and a half thousand people died as a result because of building football stadiums that is a big lie that is a major lie and then the LGBT community. Now, Qatar said that everyone is welcome to our country. Everybody. We don't discriminate. Whether you're Asian, black, white, whatever your gender, we don't discriminate, but respect our rules. When you come to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to respect the rules of the masjid. If you don't, somebody from the management or the volunteers will come and perhaps give you a, a warning and if you're disturbing other worshippers, will tell you to leave. If you go to somebody's house, you go to your friend's house, you go to your in-law's house, you go to anybody's house, you respect the laws, you, you respect the rules in that household. And that's literally what Qatar was saying, is that you come to our country, you respect our rulings. However, the West decided, no, this is not good enough and we are going to educate you. Six and a half thousand is a figure that we kept being reminded of. Migrant workers, LGBT, Qatar, and, you know, the, the Middle East. But in reality, against the Muslims. One of the greatest signs of Islamophobia we saw leading up to the World Cup. They have no human rights. So let me remind us regarding the West for a few moments that here we had some European nations who in fact decided that they were going to wear a special armband one nation armband I'll come into that in a few moments but do the West really have the right to educate those in the East I mean which nation after all is cleared has as a clean slate have the English forgotten the millions they murdered in India the British Raj, even till today, even till today, the academics cannot put a number on the amount of people died in India as a result of the British rule. The colonization that took place, academics say between 1 to 10 million. Anything between 1 to 10 million people were murdered by the British rule in India. This is, of course, before Pakistan, before Bangladesh. India was one, ruled by the Mughal Empire, ruled by the Muslims. They were happily living. Have they forgotten the part that they have played in this conflict, in this oppression against the Palestinians? Have Germany forgotten about their past, their Nazi rule, which killed six million innocent Jews? Have the Netherlands of Holland forgotten their past? The thousands that they murdered in South Africa, the thousands that they sold as slaves to the West? Belgium, Denmark, France should be worried about the rise of Islamophobia in their countries. So what right do you have going into a tiny nation and telling them you have no human rights? You don't have any, you don't value human life. So they decided 
that what we will do, okay, we're not allowed to wear the rainbow armband, but we will wear the One Nation. FIFA made a ruling. Al-FIFA, Mal-FIFA, wa madraka Mal-FIFA. FIFA come out with a ruling that if anyone wears, if the captains wear this armband, they will get a yellow card. Let me take you back to 1967. A man by the name of Muhammad Ali, alayhi rahman. He was about 25 years old. He's at the peak of his career. And he was told that he had to take part in the Vietnamese war against the, Vietnam, the Vietnamese. And he was anti-war. He said, I'm not taking part in this war. I'm not going to go and kill innocent people. And I read, I read and I quote, this is what he said. My conscience will let me go and shoot my brother or some darker people or some poor hungry people in the mud for being for big powerful America. And shoot them for what? They never called me nigger. They never lynched me. They didn't put no dogs on me. They didn't rob me of my nationality, rape and kill my parents. Shoot them for what? How can I just shoot those poor people? Just put me in jail. I quote, this is what he said. Referring back to the very people who wanted him to go on fighting innocent war. He said, whatever you want to throw at me, I will take it. This is a 25-year-old boxer at his peak. They fined him $10,000. He accepted it. $10,000 back in 1967. They banned him from boxing for about three years. He was in prison for three years and, uh, and he was banned from boxing for five years either way but he accepted the punishment that came so he was banned from boxing for three years and five years he was put in imprisonment because he stood firm on the principles that he believed in if these people really had any feelings for the LGBT community and they really want to stand firm for them what is a yellow card compared to 10,000 dollars fine, a five-year prison sentence, and a three-year ban from boxing. And this is what we learned from the Qataris. They said, we are, not going to, we are not going to change our religion for one month. We are not going to change our religion. We are not going to change our culture for one month. And they when FIFA made this announcement, they got scared of a yellow card, they decided to abstain from it. Even certain presenters that we saw, they were reading, I mean, they're defending the LGBT community, and when you defend them, you speak passionately about them. They were reading from a piece of paper, and even that they were struggling. They couldn't read from a piece of paper. I mean, there's a prescript that was given to them that this is what you're going to read. And of course the BBC, they decided to boycott the opening ceremony. They didn't show the opening ceremony. Again, more hypocrisy. The very channel that you give 150 pounds to every year. Hmm? You pay them 150 pounds to boycott the, the ceremony, to report on the Palestine 
oppression only when Palestine respond to the attacks from the Israelis. This is how it usually works. That's where the story starts from. That's where the BBC and other outlets start the story from. They don't start it from when the Palestinians are attacked or murdered or oppressed. It always starts from when the Palestinians defend themselves. Anyway, there's, and, and there were many people who said, oh, but Qatar have wasted millions of pounds. And I said, well, there's a choice. If England or any other nation would have hosted it, what would have happened? Our own Muslims would have gone. There would have been alcohol everywhere. I mean, for the first time, there was no um, violence in this World Cup. Not many people were arrested. But if you compare to other uh, tournaments, there would have been zina clubs, everything. And our Muslims would have gone to that environment. But here, Qatar have hosted a World Cup, spent millions or billions, Allah knows best, but it was one of the biggest da'wah projects. Because this was a great, great opportunity for Qatar to promote their country, to promote their values. But their primary focus was to promote Al-Islam. That was their primary focus. Before I go into this, so like I said, so it's, it's a good investment. And England again taking the, horror, uh, the high moral ground and, and educating the people. But the last time England, when we, because we are British as well, hosted the World Cup in 1966, going back to the LGBT issue, homosexuality was illegal. It was a crime. There you speak about LGBT in this country. It's only very recent now because there's an agenda behind it. So now they're shoving it down the throats of your children and your grandchildren in school. You have drag queens coming dressed who are grooming your children and your grandchildren in schools. Some parents are okay. Some parents, you know, they will go out and they will protest and they will dance. And you have every right. Learn the law. Their children is, oh, my children have been forced to take part in a nativity play, but the same parents are putting their children dressed up as Jesus or Mary on social media. My child in nativity play, subhanAllah, mashallah, the bottom as well. The false narrative and our children are playing it and you're proud about it at the same time you're complaining by law if you want to abstain you can abstain you can take your child out another issue we had and this was an unofficial survey we did in our own madrasa just randomly we got some children from the age of 10 above and we asked them what do they watch with their parents if they watch television with their parents what would they watch and they said we watch soaps with our parents there were boys and girls who said we sit down with our parents and we watch soaps. Now what do you think soaps are showing? Hmm? Soaps are promoting Islam? Hmm? Homosexuals, gays, lesbians, crimes, everything. And our children are sitting down with the parents and watching. So you need to be firm on this. And you need to know your rights. So we don't need to jump on that bandwagon because remember Qataris they are the most generous people on the face of this planet very generous I go back to the issue of Palestine Qatar donates approximately 400 million pounds to the Palestinians every single year and there is no nation that spends more money on the Syrians than the Qataris every single year you go to South America, North America, 
where Muslim is a minority, but you will find a masjid, an institute, a madrasa that has been funded and supported by the Qatari government. So they know how to spend their millions. So how did Qatar take this opportunity in promoting Al-Islam? Let me just briefly give you some examples that firstly we saw the Quran, the, the Quran being prayed at an opening ceremony by a young well he's a teenager now but I've been following him as, as a young child he has an illness where the lower part of his body does not grow but this young child he sat in the middle of that stadium and he prayed one of the most powerful verses in the Quran which calls for unity he paid one of the most powerful verses. The Amir opens the World Cup with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm not saying that makes it spiritual or gives it an extra barakah or something, but it was nice to see the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being prayed. Then there were billboards around, especially in the stadium areas where there were Quranic verses. Hadith of the Prophet sallallahu QR codes were installed in tents and hotels so the tourists can come and they can scan this code and it would take them to a website where they could learn about Islam. Then special muadhins were installed and called over so that the adhan is said throughout the day five times a day adhan is being prayed. And they're random people. You know, in, in, in the, the, the village, the, the, the fan base, the fan village, and they hear the Adhan and say, wow, what is this? We're hearing this. What, what is this? And they want to know more about the Adhan. They're waking up five o'clock in the morning. They're sleeping and they hear this beautiful voice saying the name of Allah. And they want to learn more. Fans were allowed to enter the masajids to watch people pray. There were special exhibitions, centers that would put up so people can come and learn about the history of Islam. That international scholars were also invited, du'ats were also invited as well. So these are some of the steps that Qatar took to promote the religion of Islam. And there are many people, forget the, the media, the news, go and watch these blogs that fans have been making, non-Muslims, and they say that what we have been fed in the West is a pack of lies. There's, a, there's a, a family that came, they were struggling for a hotel. This is, this is a testimony, a live testimony. And they said that a random person, and Qatari national said, you know, you've got young children, why don't you stay with me? They were struggling for a hotel. So he says that he invited my family to his home for one week. We were there for the duration of one week. He never charged us a single penny of rent. In fact, we were getting breakfast, dinner, and lunch as well all free of charge there were people getting off the airplane getting to the airports and they've been greeted with flowers and dates and water why because the prophet said you know this is very powerful that you only need to show a bit of uh, you know a hospitality towards somebody to get their hearts and subhanallah, they said, these are lies what we've, been, what we've been fed from the West. We've come here and we've been treated with so much respect and so much honor and dignity. We never get this in any other nation. 
And this is what Islam does. When you study Islam, there are people, you know, Alexander, John, Barbara, Linda, they went to Qatar, but they came back as Abdullah. They came back as Abdul Rahman. They came back as Maryam. They came back as Hannah. They reverted to Islam. There are families who went and they also reverted to Islam as well. Full families. From places like Brazil and Argentina and other tiny nations that you can just about see on the map, on, on the atlas. So this is a responsibility and duty that we have as well living here as a minority. Remember, Christianity is in a decline. It is now a minority religion, less than 50%. How many of those actually practicing Christianity? So we have a duty, number one, to preserve our deen. To preserve our deen and do shukr of our deen. Look at the Moroccan team, which alhamdulillah, many of us, you know, we became Moroccans throughout the World Cup. In victory, they were doing sujood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In defeat, they were doing sujood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After every game, they were running up to their parents, to mothers, where others would run up to their wives or their partners who are models and celebrities. Remember, these Moroccan footballers, they are celebrities as well. They paid thousands. But they never forgot their foundation and the foundation of the parents. Your wife, your children, your girlfriends, they come after your parents come first. They are the ones who make the greatest sacrifice. And this is a reminder at the end of every game, doing sujood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, going on with their parents. We didn't see this from any of the other teams. They were coming out with their wives and their partners and their children. Value your parents. Hmm? Value your deen. Protect your deen. Spend time with your children. And this beautiful religion that we have, it will, Allah mentions, it will prevail over all of the religions. My time is up. Uh, Sheikh Ammar will be leading uh, the Juma, inshallah, will be leading my own masjid. But it's also always nice to finish up a, on a nice note, a softer note. I'm glad that Messi has returned his back in one piece. Uh, yeah. Some of the sweat you can smell, but I suppose that will increase the value of it. Tomorrow's program uh, after Fajr uh, is the Fajr campaign. We have the quiz taking place. So tomorrow's quiz will be based around sports, Sunnah sports, the ruling regarding uh, sports in Al-Islam. And then some of the uh, you know, lessons we learned from uh, Qatar World Cup, general knowledge, Islamic knowledge, all this will be uh, tested, uh, inshallah, uh, for the family, for the full family. So uh, parents are welcome as well. Fathers, mothers, children, you're all welcome. The uh, program will start at the Fajr Salah, inshallah, 6.45 tomorrow morning and this breakfast well subhanallah jazakumullah khair aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfiru wa lakum wa salam sayyidina astaghfiru